And Joe did not back down. That's and he man. went right after Lester. Joe is on Monday Night Raw. Joe is now trying to destroy Seth Rollins. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Joe's got Paul Heyman. You heard Joe say he wants Heyman to take a message back to Lesnar. Joe may end this quick. Joe. submission and still the United States champion. Hey there. We're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacole. And I'm Eric Scuzz. My God! Is that Buffalo Joe's music? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Joe Spivak, one of 15 uh, collegiate athletes to be signed to WWE's NIL. Um, I guess it's their you know, name, image, and likeness tie-in. They're calling it the Next in Line program. Uh, you know, it sounds like... I, this was just announced today as, as, you know, I don't know anything. I don't know much about this. I don't think anyone really knows much about this yet. I don't think WWE knows much about this yet. Um, but from what it sounds like, uh, they got these 15 uh, college athletes and they're going to take them all down to the training center in Orlando and see what we can do. You know, maybe a couple years down the road, we'll see uh, Joe Spivak on you know Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown. Yeah, it's it's very so like you said, it's clearly early stages, but it's it's very real. That's like kind of the big thing about this is whether WWE truly believes that they are going to mint, you know, future wrestlers and and issue contracts out of this group remains to be seen, but the selection certainly seems to to set that up. I mean, you kind of look and you're like is this going to be end up, end up being something kind of like the Ultimate Fighter or Tough Enough, where there's a show based around this, where they kind of give everyone exposure, kind of take the temperature of the room in terms of who the audience likes, and kind of let that kind of thing go. But I mean, this is—it's very much this group is is being brought in, and they're going to be getting training. I'd say all you have to do is kind of look at the group and kind of see the extent to which WWE is not screwing around here. Um, we were kind of talking about you can look at at everyone other than Joe and there are mix so first of all like all of the ladies who are chosen to be a part of this have a mix of two things that pretty much all of the female WWE wrestlers have which is great athleticism and excellent looks and this group all has that it's funny to look at the other football players other than Spivak who are part of this group they are enormous. One of them is 6'10", 400 pounds, right? So you can see WWE doing the calculations, right? And being like, okay, so this mountain of a man potentially fills that role for us if it works out. Any one of these, you know, female athletes, maybe one of them has the right blend of like looks, personality, athleticism, that there's maybe another Becky Lynch here or something like that, right? Um, And then Joe. And you can just see that, they're like, wow, this guy's personality is just off the charts. He is an 11 on a 10-point scale, and he's also— Dude, he's, a, he's like a 14 on a 10-point He's a 14 on a 10-point scale, uh, right. And he's, what, 6'3", 300 pounds. So he's like, he's got all the size we're looking for. But it's funny because I'm almost like, 
please let there be some sort of show. Please let there be some sort of tough enough because we all know I'll just put him in front of cameras and that's the rest is going to take care of itself. So it's fascinating to me, but I think you can really look and be like, this is for real. Like, this is a real thing. We all know he could be a phenomenal wrestler and it might happen. Like, we'll see where the road takes him. But this this is totally legit. Well, there's a there's a great interview with Joe uh, on on WBBM that's floating around right now, where he talks about uh, you know kind of being inspired by mankind and being a, a lifelong wrestling fan, and this is you know this is, this has been something he's been wanting to do, and he's he's talked openly about this. I think you know over the course of, of this year, maybe even some of last. So uh, it's just at the very least, this is really exciting. You know, this is a guy that we've you know uh, shouted and cheered for for the last four or five years, and we get an opportunity to continue to do so in a different you know medium and. Um, to John's point, right? Like ho- hopefully there's a show or some way to, to, to follow uh, what Joe's up to. And we'll, um, we'll certainly be keeping our ear to the ground. And uh, uh, you know, we, we try to have a little bit of fun on, uh, on Twitter today, um, throwing out, you know, finishing moves and people were, you know, proposing uh, he should be Buffalo Joe and things of that nature, which was, which was a lot of fun. I have to, I have to say like, Mustard's last stand as a, as a as a finishing move might be the greatest thing <laughs> I've amazing. ever heard of. It's amazing. Yeah. Lakeshore driver. Yeah, that one was really good too. Yeah, I mean, so all of you are listening. If you haven't, go to go check out our check check out the tweet um, and and at throw your hat in the ring. You know, let's let's see how many fun things we come up with. And again, this is all just good fun. I mean, this well, is. Well, we should emphasize like we did not come up with those either of those two that we just, that we right. just threw out there. Raf, uh, Rafi Jacoby. Um, shout out to you, my, my, my friend. That was a, that was, that was hysterical. Well, and then someone, I think, was it Patrick Andres immediately came out and was like, uh, the wow. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm all in on that, but it almost is like, can't that be his kind of Daniel Bryan? Yes. Kind of thing. Like he can have a finisher and he can have his catchphrase. You know what I mean? So there's, he's, you know, he's, Joseph Vivek is a rich text is what we're saying. Like there's a lot. The, the biggest telling one is that Joe himself uh, liked um, a reply that says it should be the Bo Sizek. Exactly. There, it's, it, he's, he's a rich tes- text from a rich lineage of potential Northwestern wrestlers because we feel like maybe he can carry the pail for, you know, what could have been for Bo. But in all seriousness, too, though, I mean, it's like I think none of us have any illusions. I think at this point no one does about, like, just how hard it is to be a wrestler, right? And it takes oh, being a great it's athlete. ridiculously hard. Right. It takes being a great athlete. It takes having a, you know, unbelievable personality and an amazing work ethic. And we know that Joe has all those things. You won't find a guy that grinds harder than him, you know? Well, I mean, and, and it, it, like some level of charisma. I mean, you have to be able to, to engage the crowd, either for them to boo you or to cheer you. You've got to engage the crowd somehow. So, you know, the exactly. athleticism, the the charisma, the you know, all of that. It, it's a the, total package. This has not been part of his like journey at Northwestern. And if you were, you know, if you were a wow listen, uh, a watcher like I was, um, Joe has never done this. But can't you just see him going to Detroit and riling up the crowd by saying things like? Hello, Cleveland! <laughs> like yeah. just totally selling it as a heel. Oh, yeah. heel I mean, out—that'd be great. And I mean, he's—but I mean, he just—you know—he's gonna bust his ass to do this, yeah. right? Like he's gonna commit a hundred and ten percent and give his all. So it's—I mean, it's funny and fun, 
but it's also just really exciting. Like I, it's awesome. He, he's going to get a real shot at this, and you know, there's there's potential real fame for him if he can pull it off. So let, let's see it happen. So yeah, um, that's kind of big fun off the top of the show. Um, yeah, kind of, there's not a ton to talk about tonight. I mean, we got uh, holiday breaks for finals uh, for both men's and women's basketball, but uh, both teams started Big Ten play um, this past week. Uh, the men with a, a big win on the road against Maryland, um, you know, real back and forth game. Uh, the women really kind of took care of business against Wisconsin at home. So, you know, Wisconsin's definitely not the cream of the Big Ten uh, on the women's side. But, uh, you know, still to win 61-49, that, that's kind of, you know, that, that's big fun. Um, who, should we, who should we start with? Let's, let's give the men their due, I would say, right? I mean, I think the, it's, there are a bunch of caveats to the, to the win, but then you can easily just go right over the top of those caveats, right? So Maryland is a team that's down right now. They're five and four. They just fired their head coach. We found out uh, that Mark fired, t- resigned, stepped down. He's, 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 that, I mean, that he, read very much like like there's something going on behind the scenes. He's, yeah. Well, he's and uh, I mean, but and they are, but they are also you know five and four. Like they were not awesome last year. They were fine. But they, you know, Maryland's won a national title, right? So there's a certain level of standard there, et cetera. Um, we knew that, that that they were dealing with that upheaval this week. We knew that they'd been they'd looked very beatable so far this year, and we knew that we were going to be getting Chase Adige back for this game, whatever that was worth, right? And it was kind of hard to say what that was going to be worth simply because. Northwestern, which was really kind of a guard-starved team for the past couple of years, has had a couple of young guys show out. So there are a bunch of guards getting minutes. And it was kind of a question of, okay, so where is Odige going to slot in? And I think what you ended up with was this, this rough, at times ugly, but very spirited, very intense game where the Cats ground out, you know, a big win. And I think, you know, before we get into the kind of specifics of it. I think one of the the big things is like, look, it, it may be that Maryland's not a good team this year. And it may be that they end up just being bottom half or even bottom quarter of the big 10. And you know what? Who cares? Northwestern's whole deal over the past couple of years is they haven't been able to consistently beat the other bottom half teams in the conference. This is the starting point. These are exactly the kind of games you're supposed to win. So, this was a big one, um, and especially to be able to go on the road to a place where Northwestern almost never wins and pull it off in any fashion. Has it's never big, won, I believe. Yeah, right. It's a big well, deal. Well, and this is this is only the third time we've ever beaten Maryland. I mean, this you know the series stands at ten and three now. Like, granted, that's not a lot of history, but like Maryland came to the Big Ten right as a a pedigreed basketball program, um, one that was uh, either. Recently, off of a national championship, or, or maybe not won very, one? not very far removed. Yeah, not very far removed. I mean, they, like they're good. Like this roster is stacked. Eric Ayala didn't stop being being freaking awesome at basketball, right? Like they have um, way more talent than Northwestern does. Yes, they've got you know problems and 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 issues, but this is this is a huge win for a Northwestern team to do it on the road in a close game, which has been the bugaboo of this squad for basically every year since they broke through and went to the tournament. What was that now? Five years ago. Yeah. Um, I, like this, this felt like, like 
go back a week and a half to the Providence game, we're all watching that thing kind of come apart. And like another one of these, like, gosh, we are so close moments. And watching the team against Maryland again on the road against a team with talent. Yes. You know, in, in the midst of a coaching change and, and obviously struggling, they had lost, I think to Louisville and Virginia tech, the two prior games. Um, but this cats team performed and took care of business down the stretch. You saw Pete Nance go to another level in the last 10 minutes you saw Chase Audige come in and be a, a, a force primarily for good for Northwestern. <laughs> some, some foul trouble in the first half, but like, but you didn't know, right? Um, and like that, that's such an exciting moment for this basketball team in this, you know, I don't want to call it a pivotal season, but certainly a referendum season on, on Chris Collins, right? Um, and, and I mean, this is Nance's last year. It might be Bowie's last year. I like this is you know, the end of kind of like the next, um, the next tranche of guys in, in Collins's tenure post, uh, Vic and McIntosh and pardon, et cetera. Right. Um, so this is, this is a big deal. And I, I think the, probably, probably the most exciting thing to me, you know, knowing Audige was coming back and knowing how exciting, uh, Casey Simmons and Julian Roper had been in, in the games leading up till now, I think we were worried. Were we, were we going to still see the rotation and the minutes and the, like taking advantage of this deep bench that this team has? And yeah, we still saw that. Um, ten guys went double digit minutes, and that's that's the most exciting thing to me because I think that like that to me is the most critical factor for Northwestern being able to sustain some of the success and continue to evolve and grow as a team. If, I mean, if they if they start whittling down to just six or seven or eight players that are really the, the focus point, I, I, I feel like that's the wrong direction for this program. I mean, how many how many times have we bemoaned the fact that uh, the Northwestern rotation is, is seven guys and that's it? You know, well, you're, you're and, starting and, five and then two more. And then, like, and not just that. Like, it'd be fine if that rotation was working. But it wasn't. Right? But, <laughs> right. but like, a lot of times it's not. And this – but this, this worked and it looked good. And you got, like, Adige was great scoring the basketball. Um he took care he like he had he adjusted his play and didn't pick up any more personal fouls in the second half you you still had um you know 13 assists to 11 turnovers like that's not the greatest uh ratio there but like the guys are still passing the ball the ball's still moving like some of the things that have been successful elements of this of this team have persisted yeah i think it's funny too you you talk about Adiji, you talk about the fact that you're right, a ton of guys off the bench did get a bunch of minutes. And at the same time, I think everyone... So it became very clear very quickly just how critical Adij was. And it was really funny because we were all like, look, he's coming back off an injury. Is he, you know, is he going to be kind of like finding his way or like feeling out there? It's like Adij <laughs> stepped foot on the court and was like, this game's all me. That, <laughs> that, dude is, that dude is zero or 60. There ain't exactly, no in between. Exactly. I mean, like his stat line, amazing, right? He played 26 minutes, 14 points, uh, four boards, three dimes, a steal, a block, three 17 fouls. Field, 17 field goal attempts in 26 right. minutes, which was the most of anyone on the team. Right, right. Three fouls and a tech. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. Um Brian James at his halftime, and we tweeted about this, and we weren't the first to do it, but you've got to listen to Dave Ennett's halftime. Like, if you're watching on Big Ten Network, 
when it goes to halftime, turn on WGN as quickly as you can if you're not already listening and listen to the interview because James just gives you gives it to you straight every single time. He'll be like, these are the problems. These are the things that are going well. With granular specificity, he sugarcoats nothing. He's like, literally, this is what you'll feel like so educated and you'll be like, wow, that was the 100% truth. And it was just so funny because James at the half was just, you know, he's like, yeah, Adish needs to learn to shut his damn mouth after he gets a foul or something. And I was like, <laughs> this is, I was like, this is great. Um, but oh, but it, tra- transparency from a coach. It's a, it's a novel yeah, concept. Breath of fresh air. Gotta yeah, love it. Yeah. So he, um, and, but I mean, Adij was, he was giving it his all. And I think the team kind of followed that example. And like we were saying, it's like this rough, like Scuzz was saying, right? Like it was not pretty basketball. We turned it over a lot. We forced a ton of turnovers, right? We committed a ton of fouls and held them to, they were saying, I think that like Maryland's two point percentage in this game was like as low as it's ever been, as long as it's been tracked. 28.8% from the floor. 43.5% 43.5% from three. Right. They were like something like 18% from two or something like that. It was ridiculous. So the, and I, I think Adige was kind of the leader of that, but there is that comforting thing to have Adige and Nance on the court late because you're almost like Adige is going to be the spirit animal, so to speak, right? And be like, this is the attitude we all need to have. And that's what we've all been like, being like, so, can someone take a needle and just inject this into Pete Nance all the time? Because that's what we all feel has been like the missing link, right? And I think for whatever reason, it seems like the media is really hopping on the Pete Nance bandwagon this year. I think partly because he's a senior. He's been around a long time. But there are a bunch of statistical things he's doing right now that are very kind of unique. And... All Northwestern fans are looking at everyone outside the program and being like, yeah, him looking awesome has never been the problem. It's all about kind of like that spirit and that go, right? And and keeping that intensity and fire over a long period of time. So I think what you saw in this game was a team that had that kind of energy. And, you know, again, was it messy? Yeah. Was it ugly? Yeah. But you know what? You can do those things and beat the lower half teams in the Big Ten. And, you know, if we can do that, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, for the women, um, you know, like I said, big win over Wisconsin. Uh, they're sitting at 6-3 and three, uh, for, for the season. Um, you know, it's the Veronica Burton show. She is, you know, she's playing great. Uh, against Wisconsin, didn't shoot great from the floor. She was only 3 of 8. But 12 of 12 from the line. So, I mean, she's... You know, getting fouled, getting to the line, and, and sinking her ba- sinking her baskets there. But um, you know, the the freshmen are are really am- amazing to watch. You know, Kaylee Walsh, Melanie Daly, uh, Jillian Brown. I mean, those three who start now. Um, you know, we got three freshmen starting, and you know, they're playing really, really well. And it's like it's not just Veronica Burton; it's everyone. You know. Yeah, I mean, we talked we talked last week that um, you know one of the one of the tricks here is 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 to find consistent secondary scoring. I mean, Kaylee Walsh has been really good uh, throughout most of of the season to date. Jillian Brown has been a heavy contributor. 
um, certainly from a point standpoint. Um, and then Melanie Daly has been has been playing quite a lot. But but like that secondary scoring, like Walsh has been the one to score. And without Sidney Wood, who who you know I thought was kind of going to be the the maybe not the number two scorer because she's not you know she's not a heavy a heavy shooter, but someone that that when teams are allowing. Well, t- typically what you saw last year, right, is uh, teams had to focus on Pulliam and Burton, and that opened up a lot of paint opportunities for Wood and Shaw. And it was a lot of, like, passes to the interior and not layups necessarily, but, you know, um, close-range shots. And Wood has been injured. Um, the, you know, with Shaw probably being, like, the secondary primary focus for defenses until some of these freshmen can, can establish themselves unless somebody's, you know, like really hot from outside. Um, and you know, see, seeing Walsh bring, you know, 14 points, six of 12 from, from, from the, from the field, um, two of three from three, like not only does she bring a strong physical presence, um, you know, is, is averaging, I think what, two blocks a game. Um, oh, you know, almost, oh, she's almost a combination of the Abbeys, like, frankly, like, like Abby Wolf type of physical presence. And then, uh, able to, to step outside like Abby Scheid and, and hit it. Not, you know, Abby Scheid was a, a, a unique talent from three. Um, but the more that develops, the more opportunity Burton is going to, is going to get because she's not going to be the focal point of the off of the, of the defense. And the more, um, this team is going to start to gel. So it's just, it's nice to see that, that, you know, coming into big 10, like, yes, Wisconsin is a lower, third of the conference team, but Northwestern hammered them as they should. So yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully more to come. Yeah. I, I would just add on a little bit. Walsh is just fascinating to me. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. The blend of the Abbeys is, is perfectly capsulates it. I think it's fascinating that this is someone who's shooting 41% from three at home and averaging four fouls a game. <laughs> it's like, what talk about your mix of in, inside and outside, right? Averaging two blocks and four fouls. She's had five fouls in two of the last four games, right? So it's it's fascinating, right, that you have someone who's really banging inside and at the same time making those contributions outside. But again, it's this is you're absolutely right. This is what we talked about earlier. It's like this team is looking for a number two option, right, and kind of establishing that offensive pecking order to go with the defense. And if that comes. Um, with the way that, that Burton's playing, like that's going to carry the Cats um, through the Big Ten schedule, and it carried them through this game in spades. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really great to watch, and you know, it's been fun to be able to watch. I mean, uh, uh, several of these games have been on TV, so we've been able to kind of keep an eye on it. Um, you know, like I said, they're in, I guess, finals break right now. Um you know, coming up, they've got uh, games against Delaware, Milwaukee, Temple, and Oregon uh, before they start the uh, the Big Ten season. That's an that's an interesting. I mean, Oregon is only four and three, so obviously they've you know fallen off since. Um, I forget the name of their absolute superstar who graduated, but uh, uh, Ionescu. Ionescu. Thank you, Ionescu. Um, so I mean, it's it's still you know it's still a big matchup. Um, and then, you know, I think after that Big Ten season starts in earnest. But, um, yeah, I like this team is – it's weird because, like, you can't call it a rebuilding year because it's it, – it, 
categorically it's not a rebuilding year, but with Wood sidelined, and I've I've been really digging around trying to figure out. There's no word anywhere. <laughs> I've been digging through daily, daily articles and recaps and everything else, and I can't find a, a speck of information on, on, on what's up with Wood. Um, hopefully she's doing all right and we'll be, we, we'll be able to return to the court soon. But, um, it you know, Pulliam was such a big storyline last year. Obviously, Burton is a, a, a huge draw this season. But because of the reliance on the freshmen, it, it, it does seem like we're kind of in this um, – this uh you know hesitant or waiting moment right where um i guess once we get into big 10 season we'll see if this team's a, a, a true contender if they've got the depth to go toe-to-toe with some of the, the the bigger programs the michigans the um uh the the, the indianas etc but um but for now i mean like the early signs are certainly at least pointing in the right direction this team's going to be competitive Yeah, and, and definitely going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, kind of want to move along. Uh, there's you know some football news to talk about uh, before we get into that. Um, do you want to mention the Westlaw Pirates Bowl uh, Challenge that we have live on ESPN? Uh, we'll have links to that at westlawpirates.com. Uh, we'll we'll pin a link to that on our Twitter feed uh, at Westlaw Pirates, um, and you know. Jump in, have fun. It's a we're doing the confidence game, so you know rank the the bowl games as you see fit. Uh, that's you know we we have a lot of fun with it. it it's a good time. Um, Excuse me, uh, dungeon master. I'd like to roll dice for luck. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna need two d twenty there. Uh, take the highest one. You've got advantage on that roll, um, <laughs> and then make a strength saving throw, please. See how is it that how is it that somehow we are we like that exchange could not have been more northwestern, <laughs> and yet somehow there are somehow there are four northwestern wildcats on the Browns, and there's a Dungeons and Dragons ring on the Cleveland Browns, and those that Venn diagram does not overlap. I don't understand how that that's possible, but I digress. Yeah, that, that was a that was a fun story to read. Um, you know, the the Browns, Miles Garrett, kind of the the center of the Cleveland Browns D and D game. But yeah, where are Greg Newsom? Where's Blake Hans? Where's, uh, where's where's Afadi? Where's Afadi? Sword in the ground, Adenabo. Afadi is the one that jumps out to me. I like obviously I don't know I don't know these, but I, like I could imagine Greg Newsom being like, I don't have time for that. I'm too focused on my game, right? Like he's, 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 you know, got that laser focus yeah, on miles uh, freaking Garrett though. Well, I, right. And like, I mean, how, like Afadi's in the DE room, right? Like, like how, how, how is this not happening? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about this or that miles Garrett didn't see like Afadi plant his sword in the ground and go, Hey, what's with the sword? Let me tell you about this club. <laughs> I run. Um, signing day, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, the eighth, uh, the early signing day is a week away. Um, you know, we definitely had some comings and goings, uh, sort of late decommits and commits. Um, you know, sounds like there's might be a couple more yet to come before all is said and done. But, uh, you know, we were definitely bummed to hear, uh, Bennett Meredith, the uh, quarterback that we had coming in, uh, from Alabama, um, he 
decommitted. Uh, you know, not sure why. We, you know, we don't we don't know. Um, heart, you know, the high school kids. You know, you can't you can't come on in too hard for for changing your mind, right? And it's funny too, just because by the time we we got the initial commitment from Meredith, that was already so late in the cycle that it almost seemed kind of like a, a gift, like, wow, we were actually able to kind of spin this. And then to kind of have that go by the wayside was a real bummer. It's it's equally wild, too, to see kind of the, the chain of events, the cascade and kind of what that has led to and kind of where we are right now. Yeah, so it sounds like, um, you know, that day, uh, Northwestern offered a quarterback from Brother Rice uh, down here on the south side. Uh, Jack Lausch, who had committed to Notre Dame as a preferred walk-on in both football and baseball. Uh, Only a two-star recruit on Rivals, but he was named the Chicago Sun-Times Illinois Player of the Year. So there's some sort of disconnect there between the two stars and Player of the Year, but now all of a sudden Northwestern's coming late with a scholarship offer uh, and, you know, you go to Notre Dame and walk on, um, or you come to Northwestern under scholarship. I, I mean, I this is it's not much of a decision, I, right? I I, 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 I mean, I'm not sure how much you'd have to pay me to go to Notre Dame, and then <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to be like going to Northwestern for free or going to Notre Dame for three hundred thousand dollars. I'm just, I mean, do, do what you feel. But I mean, with that said though, I mean, people are talking about, oh, he's like making the decision. He's got an official on the 10th, right? He's coming to Northwestern on December 10th. So obviously whatever decision he's going to make, he's not going to make before he takes this visit. Right. So, and and um, one, one thing he actually did say, um, you know, Louis Vicaire had an interview with him on uh, the Northwestern rivals board. Um, You know, he said the, the scholarship wasn't, as big of a deal because the opportunity for a scholarship at Notre Dame would be there. So, you know, he, he kind of would bank on playing his way into a scholarship. Still, that's, you know, a a pretty hefty freshman year, uh, pay, you know, bill to be paid. Right. And again, it's like your, that's all well and good. Coming in with, as a scholarship quarterback with, the spot you know in the pecking order that that theoretically you know puts you out i mean again it's like i i get what you're saying but it's like the idea of going in as a as a walk-on at north at notre dame and and fighting for space amongst four-star and potentially five-star quarterback recruits is just you know that's a tough road to hoe so but regardless though i think we're curious you know i we're we're kind of looking and expecting that he's going to make the smart move here and become a Northwestern Wildcat. And then it's kind of a really interesting situation, right? Because yeah, this is someone whose only other offer was Indiana state, but he played for a major high profile program. And, and, you know, that was part of the thing with Meredith, right? I mean, in a way those two kind of parallel each other. Meredith was not a major recruit up until his senior year, picked up several offers late, but plays for this monster powerhouse team, you know, arguably one of the most famous high schools in the country, Hoover in Alabama. And, uh, you know, and Brother Rice, you're talking Chicago Catholic League, so that's a really big deal. He was, what did you say, like sometimes player of the year, Chicago sometimes player of the year, um, completed 61% of passes, 
uh, for about a little under 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, seven picks, also ran for 1,000 yards and uh, 21 touchdowns on the ground. Yeah, so I think I, I see that and, you know, kind of what you're hoping is, you know, is there some some Matt Alvidi, you know, dare we say, dare we whisper some Dan Persa in there, right? Um, it's, I think, one of the big things that we've all learned, I think, over the past couple of years is <clears throat> you need to be able to throw, you need to be able to run, but you also need to be able to lead, right? And you need to be that guy who's like, all right, time for everyone to get on my back because we're going to do this. And it sounds like this is that kind of kid who's who's done this on a big stage at the high school level. So um, if he ends up being a wildcat, you know, we're, we're going to see. Again, it's not it's not a perfect situation, right? Like, it is what it is. We all know what's going on here. But, um, you know, there certainly is a possibility that at this late stage, this could end up being something that, that somehow, you know, miraculously works out for us. I, I just want to take a little bit of caution. I mean, it would be it, it would it would make all the sense in the world. You know, for him to take this offer, I would love for for that to happen. We kicked off the podcast talking about Joe Spivak, who you know chose to come to Northwestern as a walk on instead of taking a scholarship at Michigan State, and and I realized that there's a gulf of academic um, uh, brouhaha between those two schools. Um, but still, I just like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't. Um, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't want anyone to think that we think this is in the bag for Northwestern. Um, it's no, ab- it's absolutely not. not. It's no, not. absolutely not. Um, but we we will definitely see uh, next week. You know, we'll you know, keep your eyes on uh, Wildcat Report. Uh, Louis and his team did such a great job covering all that. I'm sure they will have the latest and greatest on um, what he decides as we get into signing day. Uh, also, um, you know, on the recruiting news, we did get uh, a commit from Brendan Flakes, uh, defensive end out of Florida, three-star, um, you know, came to Northwestern on an official visit after decommitting from Marshall, I believe, right? Correct. Right. And he's interesting, like, <clears throat> this is someone with a very big offer list. It's very FCS heavy. Almost all of the Ivy League is represented, um, which is so obviously a great student. But he did have that Marshall offer. He had a Nebraska offer, Colorado State offer, six <clears throat> four, two hundred sixty one pounds. I mean, I think the I, I kind of feel like the general feeling was he's a legit three star defensive lineman. I mean, he's he's no one's the top of no one's board, but a very legit three-star offer who had a couple of, you know, two power, two big 10 offers, right. Including Northwestern, several other offers. And again, factoring in that this is late in the game, right? Like this is very late running up to signing period. And this is someone who, you know, decommitted and this opened up. So there's, you know, probably real potential for like him to show out as a defensive end. I mean, a real interesting blend of size. It's kind of weird. I feel like Northwestern doesn't sign a ton of guys who are in this body type per se. I feel like we tend to sign, you know, with a a lot of guys who are even larger than this. Um, And it'll be interesting to see like where he bulks up, but it's a really interesting blend of, of size of someone who could be like a, a real strong, but pure rush end. So very curious about it. And it's certainly looking at all the attrition we're having this year on the defensive line, a really big get this late in the period. 
another guy to keep an eye on is uh, Miguel Mitchell, uh, decommit from Vanderbilt. Um, he came in for an, an official visit. Uh, he's planning on making his announcement uh, coming up on December 11th. So uh, kind of keep an eye on on him as well. You know, three star safety out of Alabama. Um, you know, be, we lose uh, lose Bennett Meredith. Maybe bring in Miguel Mitchell so to keep our our Alabama pipeline going. And uh, one other kind of fun uh, bit of recruiting news: Albert Knickis, uh preferred walk on running back, uh, committed to Northwestern. Only has one arm. It's it's amazing, and I think the funny thing is, we're I'm sure by no means the first people to make this comparison, but it's you see a lot of Shaquem Griffin because Knickis is an amazing athlete. He's rushed for something like seventeen hundred yards this year for Lamont, or maybe fourteen hundred. But Lamont is a really good high school football team in Illinois. This is an eleven and one football team. He rushed for two hundred fifty six yards in a state playoff game this year. So this is someone who is coming in as a preferred walk-on, but this is someone, you know, I think of, I don't know, like who, like, was Ray Niro a preferred walk-on? Like, I I think of someone where it's like, this is someone who's got a real chance to play. And I think the, it's interesting because you see, you think of the the Shaquem Griffin parallels, right? Who played for UCF, now is in the NFL, same same situation, right? Where he's missing um, and a, a hand. Well, Gr- and about Griffin the same is just amount. missing a hand. Now Gr- Griffin has more. Like he's just missing his hand at the wrist. Uh, Kanikis looks like he's, um, you know, yeah, like below the elbow. I think maybe. right around the elbow. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, this is he has fourteen receptions this year. Like he catches the ball with one arm, pins it against his body. It's it's amazing. Um, I think. The it's obvious too. I mean, he carries it. He carries everything with his left hand, obviously, and clearly has ball control. I'm not. I don't want this to sound like I'm saying like it's prohibitive that that he won't be playing any running back for us because it's certainly possible. What I'm saying though is this is clearly someone who's a phenomenal athlete, and at the very least, I feel like the special teams potential here is really strong. Um, well, and you talk about like work ethic and grind, right? Like you, like you don't get to that spot, right? When you are, when you have, um, wh- whether or not it's an actual limitation for him, coaches are going to see that as a limitation, right? I mean, you, you saw how much Griffin, uh, Shaquem Dr- Griffin dropped in the draft, right? And I think sometimes, well, and why he was at like everyone spent like his entire time at UCF being like this guy should be at Alabama, yeah, why is ex- he at UCF? <laughs> exactly, right? So like. <clears throat> That I mean, that right there just shows to to, to to the character and the effort and the grind that that um, have to be true to get to the level that he's been at in, in high school alone. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have really high expectations. This is someone who's a very good athlete who we're not provide. You know, this is this is someone we get. We're not spending a scholarship here, and it's a great story. Well, we're not spending a scholarship <clears throat> yet. Yet, yet, exactly. But it's a great story, but he may end up being a really valuable player, at the very least on special teams. This is a really good athlete, so this is a great get for us this late. Well, um, you know, we'll definitely keep our eyes on on the recruiting. Uh, sign, the early signing period is a week away, so um, we'll have that. We're also about a week and a half away from the start of bowls. 
Um, you know, I, I, I can honestly say I have not paid too close attention uh, to who went where in the bowls. So um, I'll, I'll definitely be looking at my Westlaw Pirates Bowl Challenge with pretty much unfiltered eyes. Did we find out? Or do we have like? Is it like the Barrington Bowl? Is it the Mount Prospect Bowl? What was that? That throwing oh, I, bowl? The, yeah. I think it's in, it's in Frisco, Texas. So I think it's like the Frisco Classic, not to be confused with like the Frisco Bowl. I mean, come on! Like the Frisco Classic, sponsored by Des Plaines. That just needs to happen. I just <laughs> a, a total incongruous title involving a Chicago suburb. Come on. Uh, real quick before we go, um, some real bad news uh, coming in off of the lacrosse field. Izzy Skane uh, is going to miss the 2022 season af- after an injury. Sounds like a, a knee injury. Um, you know, We had no idea this was happening, and then all of a sudden the tweet pops up. You know, She's in the operating room with a, you know, cap and gown on and you know, either coming in or uh, coming out of surgery. So, you know, wish her all the best and, you know, hopefully her recovery will go well and she'll be back on the field in uh, 2023 because my God, she's um, unbelievable. Yeah. This is really rough news. I mean, obviously, like you're saying, if your first thought is about Skein and, you know, wanting, you know, she's in the, you see that, right. You're saying you see the operating room and you think, okay, gosh, like <clears throat> let's have this recovery. Let's have her, you know, smooth recovery, get back to where she was, etc. And the other piece, she's one of the best spring sports athletes in the nation. I mean, this is a monster talent. Um, Northwestern obviously is a stacked team, but she's the very best. I mean, she's an absolutely phenomenal player. So to lose her for a season is is really rough. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is what it is. You hope for um, a really strong, smooth recovery for her. I'm sure she's going to be out on the sidelines cheering the team on leading the team this spring and then yeah beyond that hopefully she she gets healthy and she gets right back to the you know unbelievable level of excellence she's been at up to this point uh anything else to uh mention before we get out of here tonight i just i just want to say in a general sense and again this goes to uh, like again you brought up bennett meredith right and the and is and Izzy Skein, right? And those two things happened in relatively short succession in terms of when we found out about them. And of course, in the case of Meredith, right, like who knows what's going on in this kid's life? Like he may have some serious situation, right, that he needs to attend to. And there's some reason that like family thing or whatever, like that he needs to decommit. And in the case of Skein, it's like, look, this isn't about Northwestern. It's about Skein and her getting healthy, et cetera. And like, this is a big injury and she needs to recover from it, et cetera, right? But as a Northwestern fan, on top of everything else we've had coming down the line, it was just two more rough punches, right? Rough punches in the gut as a fan on top of everything else. And it was just to get that basketball win against Maryland, right? And then a lot of these little things like the Joe Spivak news, right? And that coming out, right? And being able to say, well, this is just fun. This is something great to watch and just watching the women's basketball team starting to show out and coalesce and come together. The men getting that win and knowing, hey, we're going to have a winning record in the Big Ten for like a month now, right? And um, and 
just little things, fun things, right? Where it's like, okay, good. Like the, we all need a little bit of a shot in the arm and a, a few things just to pick us up a little bit, right? Because we all know it's been it's been a rough stretch. 2021 ain't been the greatest Northwestern year. Um, and I think, you know, every, every little bit helps. So particularly with the Spivak news, it was something that we all could kind of gather around and and have a lot of fun with and everything and let's hope that there's a lot more of that coming down the pipe so yeah we'll be back next week um with uh, possibly some recruiting news uh definitely our first kind of bank of bowl previews um again the westlaw pirates bowl challenge uh is going to be you find all that information at westlawpirates.com on our twitter feed at westlaw pirates um, love to have as many people as possible jump in and uh, and have some fun and you know show us all up because you know that's kind of the best way to do it. Um, you know, see which one of our kids you know all animal or <laughs> all pink uh, lineups will end up taking first place in the in the thing. Well, you know, we'll we'll have to see. Well, I should mention no scuzz model again this year. It has been a. Uh... Has been shelved until until further notice. I just do not have the capacity of my life to deal with that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't I, imagine why. That, that's weird. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I thought the model like literally lit on fire at some point in the season, but no. Well, well, I mean, like truly, like the the pandemic and all the other all the other rigmarole last year, like totally disrupted. So I didn't do it last year, and then it's highly dependent on the prior year's stats, which are all garbled from last year anyway. So I was like, ah. I got too much on my plate right now, and um, this might just be a pivot point—a pivot point in my life, you know. <laughs> oh well, on that we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.